Well, we're here because we believe and worship and praise and give glory to Almighty God. Amen. Hallelujah. That as long as there is breath in our lungs, there is hope. And we're there. We have faith to believe. And he's still a miracle working God. And he's still a supernatural God. And there's still nothing impossible for our God. And he is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he gives us breath to breathe and our hearts to beat and life to live. And he woke us up this morning. And so we give glory to him here this morning. Let's go to our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And let's go and pray and seek the face of God right now on behalf of all these that are hurting, that are suffering, that are discouraged, that are mentally ill and suffering through all kinds of serious situations. Let's go to God right now and believe in the power of the Lord to deliver his people. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bring all of these requests before you here today. We pray for all the firefighters in that Ventura station with Sean. And not only them, but all the fire stations and all the paramedics and all the doctors and all the first responders. Protect these men and women, Lord God, that are such a crucial part of our communities, Lord. We want to pray, Father, for those that are mentally ill, Lord God, bipolar, schizophrenia, any kind of mental illness, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus that you will help them to find uh, the proper treatments and the right medications and the right balance of, of chemicals, Lord God, to bring balance to their systems. We pray, Lord God, uh, for those that are having surgeries, uh, for those that are discouraged in any way, those that are having social or marital or family problems. We pray for Christy right now, God. I thank you for her courage and for her faith, most of all, Lord, uh, to even just be here in the house of the Lord amongst your people. Bless her and encourage her, and you've protected her so far, and we believe that you're going to continue to protect her, and we thank you for that good report that we heard here today, Lord Jesus. And we pray, Lord God, for ultimately for total and complete healing for her, Lord God, that you would make her whole, Father, and that you would use her life to bring glory to your name and to be a witness of your power in this, in this generation that we're living in, Lord. We commit all these requests before you here today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen and amen. Well, listen, it is the third Sunday of the month, and I'm not sure, Madeline, do you have a, any kind of report for us for the um, missions? Okay, so let's welcome Madeline and uh, Josh. If you could get that other microphone up to me, please. Let's hold on for just a second, Madeline, while he gets you that microphone. And I want to encourage all of you. Uh, we have a new uh, tithing system that we are introducing to the church. It's called Tithe Lee. Uh, we have a number of ways that you can give financially to the church, but this one is kind of beneficial in the sense that uh, they don't charge us a monthly fee for using this particular um uh, website or this particular way of collecting money. All the other ones like PushPay and Venmo, whatever it is that we use normally, they all charge a percentage of what they collect uh, for their companies. But this one called Tithe Lee doesn't do that. And so we get more of the money or more of the cash uh, into our church budget uh, as a result of that. So those of you that are, I'm not really good at these computer stuff and all this uh, technology, uh, but those of you that do use it. Uh, if you would be kind enough to consider changing to tithely, it would be a benefit to the church. Uh, that way we can uh, collect more funds instead of having to pay these companies for their use of their uh, websites, okay? All right, Madeline, give us an update on missions, okay? Good morning, church. It's wonderful to be in church again. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you do for all of us. 
And thank you, Lord, for the privilege, because it is a privilege that we're here, Father. It's a privilege that Amy Simple McPherson had the will and had, had the message from you and went through with it, Lord, and started this, uh, started Foursquare Church. It's not just Chatsworth, it's Foursquare Church. And she wanted to praise the Lord and bring, bring the word to every single person in the whole world. I think she's done a really phenomenal job. And we're still here doing the same thing for the Lord. And we're going to continue until he takes each and every one of us home. But we have a blessed, blessed church here. And the only way we can be here and stay here is that we do have to give our tithes and offerings so that we can continue being here and doing what is expected of where the funds go. So I just thank you and praise you all for always thinking about that and taking care of the church and uh, everything that goes around here, whatever it is that it needs. Because I have to say I'm very impressed and I hope that you are, that our church is still standing. Everything still looks good. We may be struggling along the way, but that's okay. We're alive, we're well, and we're doing the best that we can. So I just ask the Lord to bless you abundantly, not to be, you know, let's, let's get over this pandemic thing. I mean, everybody has some kind of a little issue over it, even I do too. But you know, if the Lord allows it, then we're strong enough to overcome it. And we have to continue doing everything that we can. Our, our thing is to be graceful and to be helping. We're not to be asking for help, but we need to help. So with that, I want to pray for all my brothers and sisters. I'm so blessed and proud of all of you. I'm so happy to be alive. I'm so happy to be here. And I just ask the Lord to bless each and every one of you. Bless your families, Father, and the ones that don't know them. Bring them to you, Lord. And I thank you for the privilege, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and get that microphone to Joshua, please. Thank you so much, Madeline. Also, I want to, on behalf of Mary... Uh, who is uh, responsible for representing the Open Arms Ministry here, helping to support those moms and dads that want to keep their babies and not abort them. Uh, she was sharing with me this morning that she is so encouraged. Uh, every single week, she has been able to take some items to the pregnancy center, diapers and formulas or whatever that they need. Thank you so much, uh, Chatsworth Foursquare Church, and thank you so much, Mary. And let's keep these babies alive, amen? Let's, keep, let's give these families hope and encouragement and courage and let them know that even though it's scary for these young people that get pregnant uh, to keep their babies, that there's churches that are willing to support and to encourage and, and to minister to them and to provide for them so that it's not such a terrifying experience for them. Praise God. All right, with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, ask you to please open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 34. Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 34. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV here this morning. I know that we keep going from different translations to different translations. I'm trying to do the best that we can to be sensitive to the audience that we have, especially those of you that are online and that are new uh, to going to church and new to hearing the scriptures. Uh, we need to be very, very sensitive to that. We're just very thankful that you are tuning in. So those of you watching us from home or from your office or that will watch us a little bit later on in the week, God bless you, and we appreciate you joining us for our services. Right now, we're going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we open up the Bible, we pray right now that you would bless the reading of your word here this morning. Encourage your people. Give us life, Lord God, and strength where, where necessary. Rebuke and correction, Lord God. We are open to your will, to your purpose, and to your spirit, Lord God, working in our lives. 
bless in each and every one now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 34. The Bible says this. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. How many of you still believe in miracles? Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Jesus is a miracle worker. And in this section of scripture, the Bible tells us that Jesus was leaving Jericho, a town by the name of Jericho. If you remember your Bible history, Jericho is where the walls came tumbling down for Joshua many, many years before this incident. And uh, so he was leaving Jericho along with his 12 disciples. And Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, not to be crowned as king, but to be crucified on a cross and to give his life for the sin of the world. So this event actually coincides time, time, timely with the season that we're in right now as we prepare next week for Palm Sunday. Let's look at a map and see where Jericho is and where Jerusalem is, just for reference. Hopefully one day when things get cleared up, hopefully one day we can all take a trip to Israel to actually see this place. But if we, uh, I don't know if we're able to show that map. Okay, I wanted to show you just where Jericho was and where Jerusalem was. And it's actually only about 18 miles that are separating the two cities. Are we able to get that map? I don't see anything. That is not what Israel looks like today, just so that you guys know. Okay? So I'm not even sure what's on the online thing. But if we can't get it, that's okay. I just wanted to give you a reference. That's okay. We're going to go ahead and skip that and move on. Okay? So, Jesus was reaching the end of his ministry. The following week, he would enter Jerusalem and would be greeted with palm branches, which is what is known as Palm Sunday. And again, we're going to be talking about that or referencing that next Sunday. Jesus had been publicly proclaiming the gospel for about three years now. Thousands, literally thousands of people had been healed of various diseases. Many had been delivered and set free of demonic powers. There were those who were actually raised from the dead. His teaching of the kingdom of God had amazed and astounded many people. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and other religious leaders were at their wits end because they could not stop or even deter Jesus and his ministry. That's hope for you and encouragement for me because no matter what the enemy tries to do, he's not going to be able to stop Jesus having his will and way in your life, church. I want to encourage you with that. And because of all this, as Jesus was living, leaving Jericho and headed toward Jerusalem, the Bible tells us that a large crowd or a great multitude followed him. Now, I would imagine, in my opinion, that literally hundreds, if not possibly thousands of people were now following him. The Bible tells us that everywhere Jesus went, large crowds would always follow him. Matthew chapter 14, for example, verse 14 says this. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, 
he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So wherever he would go, they were already waiting for him. Thousands of people wanting to be ministered to by Jesus. Another section of Scripture in the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verse 21. After Jesus had fed the 5,000, it says, The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. So this verse mentions 5,000 men. When we add women and children, we estimate that there were over 10,000 people that were fed and now following Jesus because they wanted another free lunch. How many of you enjoy free lunches? Amen. Well, Jesus gave them a free lunch, and so that caused them to follow them even more. So it's possible that thousands of people were now following Jesus from Jericho to Jerusalem. If we go back to our text, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 29, the Bible says this. As Jesus and his, and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. So we have this great crowd of people following Jesus and his disciples from Jer Jericho to Jerusalem. And only God knows what needs were represented in a great crowd. How many of you would agree with me that it's just common sense that when you have that many people, there's going to be some serious needs in that group? Would you guys all agree with me? Can you say amen? We have an example of this found in Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. It says this. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And he healed them, large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. As this great crowd followed Jesus from Jericho to Jerusalem, I'm sure that within this large crowd, there were those that were demon-possessed, those that were epileptics, those that were paralytics, those that were lepers, those that were sick and dying, those that had cancers, those that were had bleeding ulcers, those that, that had various diseases and, and torments, and, and along with that, mental illnesses. And as we go back to our text, in verse 29 and 30, it says this, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men, the Bible says, two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The scriptures record that as Jesus was walking to Jericho with his great crowd of people following him, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. They were sitting because they were not able to follow Jesus like the rest of the people were. They were sitting because they were not able to see where they were going. They were sitting because they would try to get up and walk and follow Jesus. If they tried, they would stumble in the darkness. They were sitting because if they tried to follow, the multitudes would verbally abuse them and rebuke them. They were sitting because they were, there was no one that was willing to help them. They were sitting because there was no one who had compassion on them. Now, the interesting thing about this is that the blind men was that they were physically able to walk. There was nothing wrong with their legs or their ability to walk. So they could physically walk, but they chose to sit because they did not know where they were going. They could not see Jesus because they were in darkness. They were blind. 
And so all that they could do was sit there and cry out or shout out. And the Bible tells us in Matthew 20, verse 30, that two blind men were sitting on the roadside and they heard that Jesus was going by. They shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Only God knows how many people throughout history have cried those words, Lord, have mercy on us. All they were able to do was to sit there and cry out to God. They were so helpless. They were so hopeless. They were in such darkness. They were in such isolation and ignorance that all they could do was to cry out. And all I would, and, and I would just imagine that their cries must have been pretty desperate. Their cries must have been pretty loud. Their cries must have been very persistent because the Bible tells us that as they cried out to God, it caught the attention of the crowd. It caught the attention of the multitudes. The perhaps thousands of people that were there following Jesus became distracted by these cries. The thousands of people who were following Jesus took their attention off Jesus and they were drawn to these two blind men sitting by the roadside crying out to God. I'm sure, based on what the scripture says, that these multitudes looked at these blind men with disgust. I'm sure that these multitudes became frustrated and aggravated with these blind men. I'm sure that the multitudes wanted to rid themselves of these blind men. I'm sure that the multitudes believed that these blind men were wasting their time and energy by crying out to Jesus. And this great crowd of people in their disgust for this, these blind men, in their frustration for these blind men, in their aggravation for these blind men, the Bible tells us that the multitudes told the blind men to be quiet. I'm sure they must have said, what is wrong with you fools? Jesus can't hear you. Jesus can't see you. You are invisible to him. Jesus isn't going to stop to help you. He's too busy he doesn't even know you exist. The great crowd of people must have said to the blind men, you guys are just wasting your time. Why don't you guys just shut up and be quiet and give up crying out to God? But you know what I admire about this particular scripture? It's not the hearing or the healing, and it's not what Jesus did. It's not what the multitudes did. But what I really admire about this section of scripture is what the blind men did in response to this great crowd of people. The Bible tells us that instead of giving up, instead of giving up or quitting, instead of getting discouraged, instead of becoming silent, instead of being intimidated or strong-armed, instead of lowering their heads in shame and embarrassment and humiliation and defeat, instead of succumbing to the tremendous pressure of this angry and hostile and frustrated crowd, the Bible tells us that instead of just sitting there and accepting their blindness and circumstances, the blind men said, uh-uh, honey, I ain't going to let Jesus pass me by. I'm going to cry out even louder. That's what I like about this section of Scripture. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. These people are trying to shut us up, but they cried out louder. Lord, have mercy on us. Now, I don't know about you, but I like that. I don't know about you, but I need some of that kind of attitude in my life. Church, as Christians, we all need some of that attitude in our lives. Where we do not allow the world to intimidate us or to try to shut us up, but instead we get back in their face and we're going to cry out, Jesus, have mercy on us. I don't care what the world says or what the world thinks. Have mercy on us, oh God. 
When we pray, when we cry out to God, many times instead of things getting better, things get worse. Instead of the situation changing for the good, it changes for the bad. Instead of the pressure being less, it gets greater. Well, church, we need some of what these blind men had. We need to pray that our Lord will help us to be able to get up into the face of our opposition and cry out to God even louder. Sing out to God even louder. Praise God even with more passion. Serve God with more fervor. Be faithful to God with more dedication than ever. Strive for holiness and righteousness and purity and love more than ever before. Don't let the enemy shut you up. You start telling him to shut up. Can you say amen? Even if it seems that we're not going anywhere or getting anywhere, even if it seems like we're just wasting our time and nothing is happening and everything is at a standstill or being criticized by people, we need to keep crying out to God all the more. When our marriages seem to be getting worse instead of better, we need to cry out to God even more for our marriages. When our children are getting into more trouble or more rebellious instead of closer to God, we need to cry out to God even more for our children. When our financial needs turn into a crisis, we need to cry out to God even more for our financial needs. When the doctor tells us that things are not improving, we need to cry out even more for our healing in Jesus' name. I don't know about you, but I want to be a loud mouth for God. I want the devil to get irritated with my voice. And you should want him to get irritated with your voice. I want to aggravate the devil with my praise. I want to frustrate the devil with my prayer. I want to rebuke the devil with my passion and dedication to God in the name of Jesus. I want to silence the devil with the truth found in the word of God. He's trying to take you out, but you need to take him out. And what about Jesus? He was on his way to Jerusalem. He had an agenda. He was on his way to face the cross. He had a plan. He had a purpose. He had, a, he had a, to face his destiny. Jesus had to fulfill and complete the prophecies. Timing was essential. Timing was critical. The Passover was coming. There was still a lot of work that had to be done. When he reached Jerusalem, Jesus had, been, had spent three years walking through the cities and the towns and the villages of Israel. He had more than proven to all of Israel who he was and what he was all about. His work was almost complete. He was about to finish his race. He was on his way to face his destiny, which was the cross. And listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 19 about his agenda. He says this, now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem on the way he took the twelve aside and said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day he will be raised to life. Jesus had an agenda and he had a time schedule to keep. Jesus was focused on the end of his journey. He was committed to fulfill and complete all of the law. He was on his way to Jerusalem. But then the Bible says something that is so powerful. Matthew chapter 20 verse 32 says this. Jesus stopped. The New King James says, Jesus stood still. These blind men were crying out, Jesus, Son of David, 
Have mercy on us. And the crowd was telling them to shut up. And the crowd was being angry with them. And the crowd was getting irritated with them. And they just cried out even more, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stood still. He stopped what he was doing. And when Jesus stopped, when Jesus stood still, I can imagine the entire crowd, thousands of people also stopped and became silent and still because everyone was still and quiet except for the blind men. In the midst of the silence and the stillness, all you could hear was the loud and desperate cry of these two blind men shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Church, I want you to know, I want you to be encouraged today and realize that in the midst of all the noise around you, in the midst of all the confusion around you, in the midst of all the opposition around you, in the midst of all the voices and controversy around you, Jesus Christ hears your cries and he is able to put to silence all of your doubts. Jesus Christ hears your cries and he is able to put to silence all of your fears. He is able to put to silence all of your insecurities. He is able to put to silence all of your concerns. He is able to say, peace, be still. Peace. Just stop. Just stop. And be at peace. Everything is under control. You're hearing all these negative reports. You're seeing all this stuff collapsing all around you. Everything is going crazy. And Jesus says, peace! Be still. I know what I'm doing. I hear you. I know there's a lot of madness, but I I hear you. When people ignore you, when people look at you like you're nothing, when people look at you like you're worthless, when people look at you like you're a reject, a low life, an insignificant or unimportant individual, don't allow yourself to be intimidated because God hears your cries. You are very important to God. You have a unique voice, a voice that belongs just to you. And God knows Your unique and precious and special voice. He created that voice. He put that voice in you. And when you cry out to him, he hears you. He loves hearing our voice. Sometimes I can't stand my own voice. But God loves hearing our voice. He especially loves it when we say, Abba, Father. Daddy. Daddy, I'm hurting. Daddy, I'm scared. Daddy, I can't see. Daddy, I don't know what's going on. He loves when we call him Daddy. I know that he's Lord. I know that he's God. I know that he's the creator. I know that we need to be afraid of him. And he's, he's powerful and he's mighty. And he could smash us like a piece of dust. But he also loves being called Daddy.
In the midst of all this madness, in the midst of all this great multitude and crowd, in the midst of Jesus' personal agenda and plan, Jesus was able to hear the desperate cries of these blind men, and he stood still. Jesus stopped what he was doing. Matthew 20, verse 32 says this. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Jesus is standing still right now for you and asking you, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What You better think about this. What do you want me to do for you? Matthew 20, 33 says, Lord, they answered, we want our sight. They wanted to see. They wanted to see Jesus. You know, there's a section of scripture in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6, verses 15 through 17. It's a rather involved section of scripture, but let me just briefly mention it. In 2 Kings, chapter 16, verses 15, 2 Kings 6, verses 15 through 17, it says this. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded, surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, there was a a king that wanted to kill Elijah, and he sent his army just for one man. He was a prophet of God named Elijah, and this king sent his whole army just to kill this one guy named Elijah. Elijah had a servant. He walks out the door. He sees this great, powerful army, and they're there to kill Elijah, and it freaks this guy out. And he talks to Elijah and he says, look, Elijah, we're surrounded. We're surrounded by this great army. And Elijah prayed that God would open his eyes. And Elijah's servant was able to see the army of God surrounding the army of that king. And the army of God was victorious over the army of that king. But you see, that servant needed to see God in the midst of his terror. Are you guys listening to what I'm saying? He needed to see God in the midst of that terrifying situation. Elijah's servant was on the sideline, overwhelmed by his circumstance, overwhelmed by his problems, overwhelmed by his fears, paralyzed with fear, intimidated by the enemy. Elijah's servant could see, but yet he was blind to the power of God, blind to the presence of God. Even though Elijah's servant could see, he was on the sidelines and unable to follow God. You see, church, many of us, although we can see with our eyes physically, naturally right now, and we cannot see Jesus. We are sitting on the roadside like these blind men and even though we can see we are blinded by our problems we are blinded by our fears we are blinded by our troubles we are blinded by our pain we are blinded by our bitterness and anger we are blinded by our rebellion and sin we are blinded by all of these radical deceptions we are not following jesus because we are blind and because we are sitting first john chapter one verse five and six says this this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you god is light in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. First John chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. 
Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Matthew chapter 6 verse 23. But in your eye, but if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? When Jesus asks us, what do you want me to do for you? We should all respond, Lord, we want our sight. Take our eyes, open our eyes so that we could see you no matter what we go through in this life. Help us to see you in it, Lord. Open our eyes. And take us out of this darkness. Don't let the darkness swallow us up. Don't let the darkness of pain and hate and anger and lust and the world and all that it has to offer. Don't let that suck us up. Lord, help us to see you in the midst of whatever we're going through. Lord, help us to see you even when things are going wrong. Lord, help us to see you even when we are in pain. Lord, help us to see you even when we are taken advantage of and hurting. Lord, help us to see you when life is unfair and difficult. Lord, help us to see you when we are in danger. Lord, help us to see you when we are afraid. Lord, help us to see you when our brothers do us wrong. Lord, help us to see you when our enemies get the best of us. Lord, help us to see you even when we are surrounded by darkness. Lord, help us to see your hand and everything that we go through in life, whether it's good or whether it's bad. What did Moses pray? Lord, let me see you. What did the apostle Paul pray? That the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that I may know him. Lord, touch my eyes that I may receive my sight and follow you no matter what. Follow you no matter what. Follow you. Keep my eyes on you no matter what. That's what we need to pray for, church. Matthew 20, 34 concludes by saying, Jesus had compassion on them. Everyone was hating on these guys. Everyone was putting them down and rejecting them and making them feel like losers and rejects and like they were not important, like they were not in, that they were not significant. But Jesus looked at them and had compassion on them. We need to ask God to help us not to look at anyone as if we're better than them. And we need to thank God for that day that Jesus chose to have compassion on us. I don't know when that day was for you, but I thank God for that day when Jesus looked at me and he had compassion on me. He didn't have to. He didn't have to do it for you, and he didn't have to do it for, for, for me. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Now the blind men were able to see Jesus, and now the blind men were able to follow Jesus. Listen, I'm believing that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. Right now. If you have some blind spots in your soul, if you have some blindness and darkness in your life, you need to give it to God today, right now. 
Don't walk in that darkness. Don't walk in that blindness. Ask Jesus to remove that blindness and that darkness and help you to see so that you could follow him no matter what. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we conclude the service here this morning, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this section of Scripture where Jesus, these blind men, caught your attention and you stood still and you heard their cry and you gave them sight and they were able to see you and because they were able to see you, they were able now to follow you and they did. Help us to be willing to do the same thing, Lord God, here today. That we would reject the darkness and that you, Lord God, would heal us of any blind spots that are in our lives so that we in turn may see you and follow you. If you're listening and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. And if you want to surrender your life to the Lord right now, you want to humble yourself before God and say, God, I want to follow you. I want to follow you wherever you go, Lord. I want to surrender my life to you. If you're ready to make that decision right now, I want to lead you in a prayer of repentance. Just repeat these words. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I humble myself before you and declare that you are Lord. And I cry out to you, Lord, and I ask you to save me. Forgive me. I thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. And today, I receive the free gift of salvation that you offer to all mankind. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise for those that said this prayer of repentance and that received Jesus and that are choosing today to follow him, to follow him no matter what, church. And now I want to speak to those of you that are here this morning. If you want to declare in your own hearts that you want God to open your eyes and you want God to help you to focus on him and to follow him, I want to open up the altar and I want to invite you to come up and to just make a commitment to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you no matter where you lead me, Lord. I'm going to follow you. Let's sing this song. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. Hallelujah. The altar is open. Let's commit ourselves anew and afresh to Jesus. Yes. That's our prayer here this morning, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. Sing it again. Sing it again. Open the eyes.
Never give up. He'll, he hears your cry.